Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Education Platform. RISE stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorships helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Alex Salkin. How are you, Alex? I'm doing great. And I got to give you props for pronouncing my last name correctly, because it's not difficult to pronounce, but it's like I usually hear Salkin or Sulkin, which is close you know i'm not like offended but you got it perfect salting is amazing oh it's just like i get hurting hurting hoarding i get all kinds of stuff so i i completely understand your you know this struggle yeah, yeah that's absolutely. to me when it comes to your last name that's just negligence because the first thing i thought i was like it's got to be hurting i mean and by the way that's the perfect last name if you're a physical therapist you know like hurting oh, yeah. see hurting tell me I mean, that's just like it writes itself you know, yeah, Maybe yeah, I've, heard, I've heard all that too. It's like, yeah, you know, if you're hurting, see Dr. Hurting is uh, the whole, the whole gamut, right? Yeah, see hurting, um, stop hurting. How about that? There you go. They, you know, but then you run into the struggle. You never want your name attached to a business. That was ah, some, true. some yeah. advice that I got from a mentor a long time ago. And, you know, I'm, well, I'm sure you know, like people, your business is based around your name, but if you try to, get away from that a little bit and people are requesting you and it just becomes a whole thing. So sure. um, for those of you out there starting a business, that was some mentorship advice I got years ago. Of, you know, don't put a business in your name. Wish I would have thought of that because that's definitely, <laughs> my business is definitely in my name too. I got to, might have to rethink that. Well, it just depends on your goals, right? It's like, are you looking to scale? Like, what are your, what are the goals of your business? And sometimes yeah. if it's associated with your name, it's difficult to scale because everybody wants to see, see you. That's a very good point. Yeah, that is very true. But anyway, you are on the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. Um, I was connected to you through um, Mr. Sam Sidkar at Dragon Gym. Um, they do great things. Sam's been on the podcast. Um, you uh, were teaching kettlebells there. You're an SFG level two. I'll mm-hmm. let you kind of get into the your furthermore of your expertise and what you're currently doing. But um, he recommended you because you're doing some great things in the world of kettlebells. I love kettlebells. Um, he's a man that when he speaks, I listen, right? As I'm oh, sure yeah. you know. Yes. So why don't you, Alex, why don't you talk about how you came to the Philadelphia area, the things you were doing when you're in the area, and now um, you've moved away from the area, but you're still able to serve the the population of Philadelphia through the way that you've kind of set up your business. Now we'll come full circle into the business talk, but um, can you kind of give me the background of how you came to be where you are, 
um, because I'm just really interested to hear your story about what you're doing in person, what you're doing online now, um, and the great things that you're doing in the, both of those realms. Should I start with like the whole background story uh, or should I stick, you think, primarily to, let's say, uh, the, the stuff as it pertains to Philly in particular? Because it, it will end up being, there's going to be a little bit of background no matter what, because it is an interesting story about yeah. how I got there. But maybe Let's, we'll stick with that because that'll be a little shorter. Works for me. Yeah, whatever whatever gives people a little bit of insight into who you are, how you came to be who you are, and how that impacts the service you're now providing as a fitness professional. Perfect. Yeah. So that's a great, great question. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking just a little bit before the podcast began about where, you know, where I'm living now, because I'm obviously not in the Philly area anymore. I'm, I am in Omaha, Nebraska. And Usually when people hear that, they're like, where is Nebraska? Like people just forget, you know, that it's even a U.S. state. It's like one of the most forgettable of all states, unfortunately. Um, but I was born and raised here. And I'm giving you the, the uh, as I would say, like the, the really, really short version. And uh, lived then in Israel for four and a half years where I was teaching. And uh, I, I also did a lot of workshops in Europe. Uh, Australia, the U.S., and I was using that kind of as my as my base. Like and then kettlebell I, workshops. Sorry, uh, some were kettlebell. A lot of them were uh, calisthenics workshops, actually, okay. and then also workshops for original strength. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, original. Uh, strength. I love original strength. Yeah. Oh, great. You well, mm-hmm. then you'll like this then because I was one of the first original strength instructors. Uh, uh, so I've probably seen videos of you all over the place. I used to follow. <laughs> It is very, very possible. Because, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, um, so I'll give you just another little like peek into the, into the, into the origin story part of things. I got into original strength before it was called original strength. It was still being called becoming bulletproof at the time. And so this is about 2011. Uh, I bought an ebook that Tim Anderson and Mike McNiff wrote and, um, was really intrigued by it. Um, and then 2012, I attended the second ever Becoming Bulletproof workshop with Tim Anderson and Jeff Newpert, who's mm-hmm. now a, uh, he at the time he was a master uh, SFG instructor, uh, one of very very few, and he's since retired, but he still you know has a kettlebell business online and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and then in 20 kind of toward the tail end of 2013, I uh, was living in Israel. I got an email from Tim and Jeff asking if I would come and be a part of the first hand-picked crop of original strength instructors. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was it was a very cool experience. I, I uh, flew to New York in uh, January of 2014. I went through this kind of like uh, intense, very, very compacted course. They've, they've since expanded it and they've since, you know, grown it. Uh, but yeah, I was one of the first original strength instructors. And so one of the things that um, I have been doing in particular has been working on getting a, 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 like an ecosystem of kettlebells, calisthenics, and then original strength, as well as other complementary uh, things, so that it acts as a, as a full system to help people get stronger, fitter, and healthier mm-hmm. in the time that they have using reasonable workouts that get radical results. And um, I ended up in, in the Philadelphia area. I, I lived briefly in Westchester and mm-hmm. then in Downingtown, so uh, anybody who's familiar with the Paoli Thorndale line, at the very least, has heard of those if you've ever been on that that train. And um, I I've known Sam for many years, and you know I, I'm very good friends with uh, Pat Flynn, who was also a 
uh, resident of the suburbs of Philly. And I used to, every time I would come back uh, to the U.S. from Israel, I would always stop first and hang out with Pat. And so he and I would hang out for maybe a couple of days to a week. Then I would I would uh, come back to Omaha to visit my family. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like a, a routine sort of a thing. And, uh, and then I had plans actually to leave Israel to move to a different location. And they sort of fell through. And Pat was like, well, hey, why don't you come to, you know, Westchester and uh, you know, I, Sam, I'm sure would love to have you at the dragon gym. And so, uh, so that's how it was. We, we decided I was going to work there. And so I taught some kettlebell classes there and I also did private lessons with people and I uh, really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, as you know, Sam's got a, uh, in addition to being like, you know, truly a master of Taekwondo, he's also freaky strong moves ex- mm-hmm. exceptionally well. Uh, and he runs an incredible, incredible gym. So it was a, it was a very special experience. The people there are very uniquely dedicated. And mm-hmm. uh, I was happy to help them, you know, move them a little bit further along in their strength and movement goals. Perfect. Yeah. So tell me about now you've transitioned back, you know, life's brought you back the path to Nebraska where you grew up mm-hmm. um, and you've transitioned your business from when you were in Philly for a little bit. You were doing some personal training. You were doing some of the class stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you've transitioned to all completely online. Um, and I think it's great. It's when original, I remember becoming bulletproof and I remember original strength and out of all of the seminars I've taken, that was one that was on the list that I never actually got around to. So it's really cool to make that connection with you. Um, and I'm sure I've, with the stuff Tim's put out, like I've seen you in the videos and all of that, because it just, I, it kind of like, it, to me, it just kind of fell by the wayside. Um, but I'm curious now, it's now you've transitioned your, to the all online fitness space and how that's impacted, how you're able to serve people, what you're able and what you're able to provide. And then if you could speak to how you've been able to change lives through that and get results through that, I think that's great because I think people are really interested in sometimes they're used to fitness being in person. They're used to taking the class. They're used to the personal training, but now you had your trainers getting into the online space before COVID. Mm-hmm. Now I think COVID kind of, you know, really propelled that and pushed that into trainers making a career out of being online. So if you could speak to now how you've transitioned to being able to serve people all over the world through online training and how that's impacted results and, and who you're able to serve, that would be, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I actually started the online portion of my business in 2016, believe it or not. Um, and again, at the, at the behest of my friend, Pat Flynn, who had been uh, yeah. gently and repeatedly needling me over the course of a few years. He's like, you know, you should really start an email list. You should start, you know, uh, doing some online stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually a friend of mine once told me that my ears have like a, a two year wait period or something like that. Cause it's like, I'll make a suggestion. And within two years, usually toward the tail end of two years, I'll end up taking the suggestion seriously. So um, I, uh, started it in, officially in 2016, in June of 2016. And so I would start doing uh, emails a couple of times a week to people. And I ended up, you know, making a uh, <clears throat> an online newsletter, like a, a monthly paid newsletter. And that eventually expanded into more uh, information products. And, um, you know, when I was living in uh, the Philly area, I still had the online portion of my business. And then I also had the in-person side. And when I moved back to Omaha, uh, just by default, it ended up being all online because at 2020, I had plans to do workshops in uh, Czech Republic, Spain, England. Uh, I was going to try to 
you know, fit in some other places as well. And, you know, I don't need to tell you what happened. We, <laughs> we ended mm-hmm. up, ended up becoming an impossibility, but um, because I had those things, I had been working on those things. I thought, and I wanted to get a, a job at a gym locally because not because I, I really needed the, the money because I knew that I could support myself just with the online business, but because I like teaching people in person, you know, like mm-hmm. there are some serious advantages that you get to teaching people in person um, that are, can be replicated online, but they're, they're a little more challenging to replicate. Um, and ultimately I decided I wasn't going to do it because I thought, well, you know, they're going to want me to be there at certain hours and I'm going to just every six or eight weeks, I'm going to be like, yeah, I got to go away for like two weeks. So, uh, find someone to cover my shift. I knew they were going to be like, no, you find somebody to cover your shift for the next two weeks. So I was like, rather than deal with that, I'll just, you know, I'll just make everything online because I think that's going to be a little bit more conducive to what I want to do. Um, and it turned out to be a fortuitous decision because, you know, uh, as soon as uh, COVID hit and all the restrictions started being placed on us, uh, you, you know, Omaha in particular didn't seem to have as much of a, like shutdown, I would say, as other places did. But one thing they did have was um, at the gym that I was working out at just from myself person, I was going to a program that a friend of mine uh, put on. And uh, because it was a studio, we were allowed to stay open. I think the larger gyms weren't able to. So what I would have done was I would have gotten a job at a larger gym and I just skipped it. So Mm -hmm. um, what ended up happening is uh, even though I had offerings in the past to do online coaching with me, a big portion of my business was more like information products. And, uh, but in 2020, the, the, uh, the long distance, you know, like calls, like what we're doing ended up becoming something that people were much more interested in. So I would off, I had a couple of different offerings. Obviously one of them was much more intensive one-on-one coaching with me, which would have me uh, doing a lot more of the driving, let's say. And then mm-hmm. I decided, well, I'm going to also introduce uh, cons- uh, consultations where I'm, I'm more like the navigator kind of telling them what they should do. And I'll take a look at movements that they're doing to make sure that they're doing them safely. Uh, but I will, uh, it'll be a little bit more hands-off. And I think a lot of people think of that sort of a thing as they, like you pointed out earlier, they just, uh, they can't really necessarily see fitness as being anything other than in person. And my perspective of it for a very long time was always the opposite. And it was that uh, ultimately I'd want uh, I don't want people to have to rely on me to be fit. Like if they want to continue to work with me because they like the direction I'm taking them, that's great. But ultimately I want people to be like, you know, I've learned enough. I now have a good enough understanding of how to move. So, uh, I can come, you know, come back to you for, you know, more, uh, coaching and more consulting or something like that in the future. But I don't feel like if, I don't know, let's say I won the lottery and I won $30 million or something. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to do this anymore. I side note, I don't think I would do that because I really love what I'm doing. And I think sitting on the beach, wasting away in Margaritaville would just be a really boring life for me. So, um, but let's just say that that happened. I wouldn't want these people to be like, well, now my umbilical cord has been, you know, removed and I have no clue what I'm going to do. So um, it seemed like a good idea to start introducing consulting because uh, I think a lot of people, they particularly people who are interested in kettlebells and calisthenics, you know, one of the big selling points of both of them is that they're very convenient. Now, incidentally, I think the most important parts of kettlebell and bodyweight training are not just that they're very convenient, but that they're highly, highly effective. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains the same is that most people are like, I can do this at home so I can cut down on commute time and all this other stuff. So what ended up happening, and this is again, where 
uh, I was fortunate that I had people who were interested in, in wanting to test this out, is that I would take a look at what they were doing, give them pointers on their the direction they were going in general, and they would they would make the notes, they would have uh, an idea of where they were going, and then I would get some updates from them periodically, like, hey, this worked awesome, what's next? Mm-hmm. Um, but the key to that is because, like you pointed out, a lot of people are very interested, a lot of uh, trainers now are very interested in the online side of things. I think there's uh, a misunderstanding that some have that, oh, well, this is just, you know, way more convenient. It's almost like passive income, and it's really not. It's, it's every bit as much work, if not more. And, and this is not to keep people uh, away from it. I think people should do it, especially if you have some, uh, some really good gifts in teaching. But the thing is, is that because you can't provide any tactile feedback, you know, you can't like physically adjust them. Mm-hmm. Let's pull your shoulders back here a little bit more. You know, let's make sure you're keeping your abs tight and you give them a kind of a gentle love tap on the, on the midsection. Um, you have to be much better with your words and with the cues that you're giving and the visualizations that you try to instill within them so that they can produce these movements correctly. So there's a lot more uh, mental engagement, I think, when you're doing things uh, with people uh, remotely, let's say, mm-hmm. as opposed to face-to-face. And then what I would also say is that if you do want to train people remotely, uh, it doesn't have to be, in a pro- at least initially, it shouldn't be exclusively. I think it should be kind of half and half because I think you need that in-person experience um, and the ability to, you know, help again, sometimes actually provide tactile feedback to your mm-hmm. students. Uh, because if you can't do that in person, it's going to be very difficult to do that online. We might think of this uh, from a, let's say, a strength training perspective for people who are familiar with the movements. Um, if somebody wants to do a kettlebell snatch, they're going to have to be able to do a good high pull before that, and a good clean mm-hmm. before that high pull, and a good swing before the clean, and a good deadlift before the swing. So, um, you need, and it's very similar with your training. If you will look at like the deadlift and the swing per, uh, as, as an example, as being sort of, uh, analogous to training people in person, you've got to really have that down first before you can adequately make those leaps into being partially online into fully online and remote with people. But, um, right. so I, uh, the one thing that I would caution new and enthusiastic trainers uh, away from doing is saying, I'm just going to start off completely online. I think you're going to find that to be like trying to learn the snatch without learning how to do all those other uh, fundamental movements first. Yeah. And I would completely agree with that. I think that, you know, it it seemed from the outward, outwardly, it seems like it's the thing to do. Like, you know, I can only work this amount of hours, like I have freedom of time and I can work from anywhere and this, but I, I do think there's a huge value into getting the reps underneath you coaching in person, even having like the high volume days where you're having 12, 13, 14, 15 hour days back to back to back to back to back, seeing how people respond to exercises in person, seeing how people respond to um, external cues, internal cues, because if you're trying to go online, you're eliminating it's just you're you're missing out on all of those kind of precursors and foundational things that you need as a new trainer that we've all kind of been through um that you're just not going to provide the service that you should you should online Um, and i think and in talking to people in similar situations like online training is a ton of work it's not less work it's not oh i can train 100 people in 10 hours a week because i'm just tweaking a program here and there it's like how are you up to keeping the um the customer service, how are you upkeeping and making sure they're progressing the right way and making sure you're 
they're having you they're sending you videos and you can tweet like it's just it is a lot more and it's but i do think certain mind certain ways of thinking do fit into it mm -hmm. um where you have to be very organized you have to be very deliberate about the things that you're doing um you can't be scatterbrained but um i would completely agree with you where you need to get the reps of in-person under your belt before you make a transition to completely online. And I think it's years of doing that um, versus like, oh, I just graduated. I'm going to go six months just to get a couple reps under my belt. And then I'm going to go online. Couldn't agree more. And I would say if you're ambitious, again, you can, you can try to fit some stuff in online so that you can maybe uh, work on improving like, okay, here are the things that I'm going to need. Meaning if you want to use that as a means of trying to help you improve your in-person abilities, because you're like, okay, I see that when the person is on their own, and I didn't tell them, uh, make sure that you're wearing this, make sure that you have this equipment, make sure that you've got that. You start to see where your own gaps are. So you could theoretically do that. But nevertheless, I think you just don't know what you don't know. And so if yeah. you don't spend enough time training people in person, it's going to be hard to do the transition online. And you're undoubtedly going to see people doing it anyway. But I think what you're also going to see over the long run, I think over the next, let's say, 10 years or so, um, the trend that we'll probably be able to see is that the people who are best in person are the ones who provide the best online service. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the ones who, you know, they're just still wet behind the ears, just got their, their NASM certification or ISSA or whatever, and then they immediately go online. Um, I, I don't think it'll be as consistent. It's not impossible, I don't think, but I, I do think that it's going to be a lot less consistent. I almost think it's like the CrossFit craze, right? I love CrossFit, have a ton of friends that own gyms, but I almost think that when CrossFit first came out, it was like the, it was this low barrier of entry gym. Yeah. So everybody was hopping on opening a gym, but now you've seen like the better ones have kind of weeded, the, weeded themselves out. They're doing great stuff, but some of the trainers that just hopped on the trends to try to make a quick buck and they weren't ready to own a gym or they didn't, weren't ready to teach a snatch, you know, or some of the Olympic lifts, like those gyms kind of have weeded themselves out. And now the cream has risen to the top. I almost yeah. think maybe this follows the same trend. Like everybody's trying to get online, but like you said, the better trainers who have the experience coaching in person will end up rising to the top because they've seen movement and tweaked movement. Um, they've seen how people responded varying programming techniques um, more so. And they'll just, they'll rise to the top because they get better results. People aren't getting hurt people are more happy with the service that is being provided. Yeah, it really starts with everything's got to be internal. You've still got to do the work first. You've got to make sure that uh, the service that you're providing is paramount. And I'm sure too that you're going to see people saying, ah, online coaching is ruining personal training because look at all these fools doing it wrong. Well, I don't really think it's the case. I think that what you pointed out, for instance, with CrossFit is a great example because the idea behind CrossFit is great. I don't think it's usually executed very well because right. like you pointed out there, it's a low barrier of entry. Um, I think that uh, to some degree, there is kind of this idea, even their idea of scaling, like, oh, you know, a person can't do a barbell snatch yet, so we'll do it with a PVC pipe. Well, maybe they don't need to be doing that anyway. You know, maybe you need to know at, just as a, as a trainer, what would be something that's a more productive use of their time that might be working them in the right direction as opposed to, you know, doing overhead squats with a PVC pipe, which might be not only irrelevant, but frustrating, you know, for the person. So um, I think, uh, and CrossFit hasn't gone away as a result of these problems. You know, it's still every bit as popular as it ever was. But like you pointed out, the, the people who are really good at it and who use the CrossFit name to get people in and then use their own intelligence and their own uh, coaching acumen 
to make uh, a great community and get great results, those people are always going to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. Perfect. So tell me about how this has impacted who you serve. Like, who are you serving? Why are people coming and how are they finding you? Um, and what, what makes you different that helps you stand out from the crowd of online traders? This is a very, very good question. And I think it's in particular important because if you think that everybody is your client, then the reality is nobody is really your client. You, you have nothing in particular that makes you, do, that makes you stand out. And uh, primarily the people who train with me are, it's majority men, but I do have uh, female clients and, and those who buy and do my, my uh, uh, information products. I have like courses, programs, challenges, guides, things like that. Again, it mostly skews toward men who are in their, I would say, late 30s to early to mid 50s. Um, you know, most of whom have professional jobs. They work in offices for the most part. And those are my primary crowd. And and uh, this is, we'll say like the demographic information, the psychographic information would be they want, like anybody, they want to look better naked for sure, but they also want to have uh, strength that they never had when they were younger. Um, they want the the now needlessly complicated process of getting stronger to be made simplified and more direct. And they want to do it at home. They don't want to go to a gym. They don't want to, you know, uh, they don't want the commute. They don't want all the the complications. And they specifically they like kettlebells, calisthenics, and movement. So this is a this is a pretty specific niche because if you fall outside of that and you're like, oh, but I like barbell and dumbbell training, then I'm not the guy for you. And it doesn't mean I don't like barbell and dumbbell training. I think it's great. It's just not really my area of expertise. I don't mm-hmm. pretend that it is. Likewise with fat loss, you know, I know a thing or two about fat loss and a thing or two about nutrition. But because it's not what I do, if somebody comes to me and they say, like, I want to lose fat, I always send them somewhere else. I, I say, you know, I, I just really, I don't know enough about it to coach. I know enough about it to know the information behind it. I don't know enough to properly coach you. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. feel right uh, saying that I do. So I recommend you follow so-and-so or that you uh, speak with so-and-so about, about that sort of a thing. So again, if people are, we'll say in their uh, 30s to 50s and, and beyond. I do have people who are beyond that. Uh, like kettlebell calisthenics and natural movement training, like to train at home, want to get strong specifically, and want to get resilient and physically confident. And those are the people that I, I serve primarily. And um, that in particular has been very helpful because it helps with my messaging. Because even if I might have, you know, kettlebells are used by athletes, they're used by Grandma Betty, they're used by a lot of different people. But how you organize your message to put it out into the world is uh, of paramount importance because if you're trying to aim toward the Grandma Betty market, but everything you're talking about is athletes' market, you're going to have a uh, you're not going to have a message to market match. And so what you're going to end up with is maybe you're going to attract people, but then they're going to be like, oh, you know, I'm like a 20 year old super stud athlete, and this program is like way way too trimmed down for me. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. You don't want to attract the wrong people and then disappoint them. You want to attract the right people and then just dazzle them with the stuff that you do. So understanding who your market is, which may change over time, you don't have to know right off the bat, uh, but understanding who is most interested in your product and who's buying it the most, it, whether that's a, 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 a product like, again, like an information product or a book, or if it's a service, that sort of a thing is, is huge. Yeah. 
So, so when people are looking to train with you, do you recommend typically that they're starting with one of your info products and then working up to consulting with you or consulting with you first and trying a product or is it, does it just depend on the person and the mix of what they're looking for? It definitely depends. So uh, there are people, I would say there's no right way to do this, by the way, because mm -hmm. there are people who are, in fact, I was listening to a podcast uh, recently of a guy um, who's in the, uh, the software niche. And what he said with a previous company of his, it was an SEO company. This is many years ago. He said he would make sure that the people who wanted to work with him, he would say, okay, first you have to buy this product. And it was like a $700 course or something. And yeah. only after that, uh, can you, can we work as, uh, as client and customer or whatever? And uh, and I'll, you know, and incidentally, he said, okay, I'll take this off of like the first month's worth of the coaching that I give you, but you have to do this first because this is going to make everything easier for you and for me. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's a little different because there are people who uh, don't want, there are some people who do not want to get coaching with me. Uh, and this is one thing I found actually very early on is uh, there are people who would just rather kind of do it on their own, follow the direction, get the results, and they're happy with that. And then there are other people who are like, I want something that's really, really specific to me and I have very specific goal and, and I want to work with you specifically. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't require anybody. The only thing I do require is that they get my nine minute challenge first, which is uh, if you go to nine minute challenge.com, which is the number nine, not the word nine, nine minute challenge.com. Um, you can get my nine minute kettlebell and body weight challenge. And it's a good primer overall to my approach to training. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's it's really a, a very small microcosm. It's not jam packed full of stuff. The whole the whole idea behind it, for instance, is that um, you learn how to make movement kind of your paramount focus. And I'm sure that in your practice as a physical therapist, uh, you probably see a lot of people who want to get stronger, improve their performance, but they have movement issues. And I see yep. the exact yep. same thing. And uh, so I kind of show them here's a way that you can train that's going to improve the way you move and get you stronger. And you can do it in conjunction with whatever else it is that you're already doing. So you don't have to put your regular workouts to the side. This is like a complimentary thing. It's like, it's like putting not like a NOS thing in your car. I don't know a lot about cars. So if this is a bad analogy, folks, just, you know, work with me here, but, yeah. um, but it's like putting a NOS booster in your car. You know, you're not changing the entire engine. You're simply adding this boost of nitrous oxide. And now you can go faster just mm -hmm. as in again. So, um, yeah, I would say it really depends on how your business is set up. So for me, it, it wouldn't make sense to say, well, you have to get this for, in some cases, actually it might, but I never really require that sort of a thing. Um, because if somebody's like, I want to learn kettlebells from the ground up, or I want to prepare for SFG too. I've had people on both, uh, you know, both sides of things. Uh, and in both cases, uh, there might've been instances where it would have been better for them to just get one of my info products and I'll tell them so. Otherwise, it might be better for them to work with me one-on-one -on -one or just do periodic consultations. Uh, and so this is one thing that's it's helpful is to have multiple different options. You don't need a huge smorgasbord, but let's say for online coaching, you know, I have like, like uh, three major options. You know, one is just kind of the navigation thing where I'm like, okay, here's the map. Uh, here's what you need to do. Here's where you need to go. And then, you know, on the complete opposite end, it's like, I'm going to not only... <laughs> Uh, draw out this special map for you, but we're going to work together very, very closely, almost daily to make sure that you're moving in the right direction. And then I've mm -hmm. also got the information products where it's like, if you have this general goal, or you find you have this specific frustration that you just can't get over, you try mm -hmm. this on your own and this, you know, 
this will very likely help you to get where you're going. So uh, you're going to find that there are people who do not want to get on a Zoom call, but they want to get fit, uh, or they don't want to do, they don't want a, a hyper-specialized program just for them. They want something that's going to get them, you know, generally stronger, fitter, healthier, better looking, uh, and that sort of a thing. And uh, over time, you know, depending on how you as a, as a trainer are, how you operate, that might be uh, the, the direction you go. Like, for instance, uh, it was over a period of time that I developed all this. I didn't just go, okay, in 2016, I'm going to start my online business. Now I have these 10 different things that I offer. It's like, it's taken time. It's, it's built up, but you start with at least one thing that you would mm -hmm. like to, to offer, whether it's a product or a service. And, uh, and then you go from there. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, Absolutely. So are you doing the, and this speaks to maybe some of the professionals listening to the call. Are you doing a lot of SFG prep training? Like if no, someone comes to you, wants the, you know, the certification traditionally for any clients that might be listening, SFG strong first is, um, one of the premier fitness or kettlebell specific um, certifications because it, there's a huge physical component to it. And there, it's really precise in, <coughs> excuse me, um, how they teach the instructors teach the movements to the um, potential SFG candidates. So it's, it's actually, and maybe you can speak to it. It's, it's um, regarded as one of the premier kettlebell certifications and probably one of the premier fitness certifications because of the attention to detail, the physical components. So a lot of times people going through the certification will hire trainers in order to prep them for the exam. Right? Yeah. And, and I would say, if you do want to go through SFG, uh, definitely hire somebody because if you try to do it on your own, you very likely uh, end up within that 25 to 30% failure rate that the average uh, certification has, the average SFG certification. Like right. you pointed out, it's very, very physical. And yeah, I've trained a number of people for SFG and SFG2 specifically online. And mm -hmm. um, it, is, it is definitely possible. It's doable. Depends on the student. Obviously, you, know, you, you need a student who is, if you've got somebody who can't even swing a bell and they want to do a cert next month, that's kind of out of the question. But Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, yeah, I've, I've helped a number of people successfully prepare. And um, so I, it's not the primary, like people who work, most people who work with me online are not preparing for SFG, mm -hmm. but I'm using uh, on a regular basis. I use the principles that are in strong first for uh, kettlebell training, not exclusively. There are other things that I'll do with them too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, most of the people are training just for themselves. They want to get better. They have a passion for strength training. You know, they mm -hmm. have a, 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 regular job or they own a company or something like that, but they really like getting strong. They like getting fit. They love lifting kettlebells. They love doing, you know, various calisthenics exercises. They like to move and feel younger. And, you know, like I said earlier, build the strength. They never, maybe they never even had when they were young right. because we just didn't have all this information uh, at our fingertips. So yeah, that's, uh, I would say a small portion of the online coaching and consulting that I do. A uh, larger part would be enthusiasts who want that, let's say the SFG experience, but they don't really have the goal of becoming an instructor. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so I spoke to it being a certification for fitness professionals, but very often too, I think you'll see someone with no, um, they don't want to get into coaching, but they still want to do it as the, uh, you know, a goal of training and the physicality of the certification, just to say that they, they made it through into this like almost brotherhood of 
being able to meet these metrics of physical testing, your physical strength and prowess and all of that. That was how I started actually, because when I got my back and then it was called RKC there since uh, gone undergone a, a brand change, but it's the same guy. It's Pavel Tetsulin, who you may have seen for those of you who are uh, heard of kettlebells, maybe you've heard of, you know, you vaguely understand the, that there are certifications. Pavel was the guy who he was a former Spetsnaz a uh, physical training instructor. And Spetsnaz is like Navy SEALs in former Soviet Union. And uh, he came to the US in I think the mid to late 90s, kind of the mid 90s, if I recall correctly. And then by the late 90s, he was writing books about uh, flexibility training, uh, joint mobility, strength training. And then he eventually wrote one about kettlebell training after mm-hmm. being goaded by, by one of his powerlifting friends to write about it. And a lot of the information that he provided was stuff that uh, essentially was lost to the West in other, everything other than very specific circles, let's say. Mm-hmm. And um, so he started the first ever certification and he's since become a subject matter expert to the U.S. Marines. And uh, he was featured on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the guy who I did the certification from. He was actually teaching my certification. And I, at the time, this always surprises people, but I, my goal was to be a linguist. That was my career path. And um, I was still going through my bachelor's degree at the time. And I did it mostly as a personal challenge to myself to go through the, the RKC. And then it wasn't until I finished my bachelor's degree, I was like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. And, yeah. uh, you know, I ended up um, getting some requests uh, unsolicited from people who wanted me to train them because I had a, a profile on on uh, RKC's website. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll start, I'll start doing some in-home training and you know, uh, I'll do this just kind of on the side, but I really liked it and I wanted to continue to do it. And so for some people, that's the path they go through. Other people, uh, you know, maybe they might teach a class or two on the weekend, you know, and they keep their you know, main job and, and what have you. So there are a lot of reasons why people would become a trainer, but a lot, many of them don't go and become full-time trainers because uh, it's, it's something that, again, there's a unique characteristic about the kettlebell that just makes it so exciting for people because mm-hmm. there's just this raw physicality to it that uh, I think in some ways is hard to uh, hard to get the sense of with like a barbell because ballistic barbell movements like clean and the snatch are just much farther removed than what most people are going to be able to safely do. Whereas you can do that sort of a thing with a kettlebell and get many of the same benefits to at least mm-hmm. some degree or another. And, uh, that excites people. And for that, many people like to go specifically just for the, the personal challenge that it gives to them, even if they don't go on to become uh, an instructor. So for those of you out there who are listening and thinking about that, feel free, go, you know, do the personal challenge. You don't have to become, you know, a full-time instructor, but uh, it really will change you. It's a, it's a cool experience. Yeah. Um, so that being said, like, let's, that kind of flows nicely into what's your main motivation now? Like what, you know, you experience this world, you change career paths. And now what keeps you motivated as you're continuing to build your business and serve your clients and create new programs? What's your main motivation at this point? You know, when I grew up, um, and this always surprises people too, because I think most people think you get into personal training because you were a stud when you were younger and you were athletic and you were just a natural. And so now you want to turn your hobby or whatever you were preternaturally good at into a career path. And mm-hmm. it's not always the best approach because I think a lot of people who didn't struggle can't really understand people who are struggling. And in fact, I mentioned earlier, um, 
one of the re- I, I one of the reasons I don't offer like fat loss programs is because mm-hmm. even though I know I understand the basics of fat loss, um, I've never been fat. I've never had a weight problem. I've never had a bad relationship with food, and it would take a lot of time and effort on my part to learn how to guide people like that. And it's just not something that um, I think I could provide better than other people. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I was scrawny, unathletic, uncoordinated, weak, goofy, everything. And uh, I know what it's like to be in, let's say, high school gym class where you're partnered up and uh, for weight training that you do once or twice a week. And you're being told you got, OK, we're doing the bench press today. And, you know, your partner's got two plates on each side. And this is like a 17 year old kid. And here you are, 16 or 17. And they got to like, they're, they're getting more work pulling the plates off the bar mm-hmm. just so that they can put the smaller ones on for you. And then you still get, uh, still struggle with. In fact, I remember this was junior year. Um, I had a, a guy who was, he was on the football team. I don't know what his position was, but he was like big athletic, like natural athlete guy. And he was yeah. my training partner. And we had this big, scary gym teacher who could like bench. 365 for reps, you know, just mm-hmm. like Matt, like barrel chested, massive guy named uh, Coach Chavez. And I remember, you know, Aaron, who's my my uh, my training partner, strips the plates off the bar for me for the bench press. And uh, there was so little on the bar. I think he didn't even feel that he had to spot me. So he yeah. went and turned around and he was talking to one of his friends and I got like pinned, you know, and I had the presence of mind to roll it down to my hips and then move it over to the floor. And Mr. Chavez saw this. And he didn't yell at me. He yelled. He was like, Aaron, like screamed at him. And like everybody went silent, looked over at us. He's like, you're supposed to be spotting it. What are you doing? Yeah. And Aaron's face got beat red and he mumbled something under his breath. And I really felt like even though Aaron felt like the attention was on him, fact Mm -hmm. is everybody could see that there was very little weight on the bar for me. And it was like, I don't know how much it was. It must have been like a equivalent of a broomstick with a bagel on each end. You know, it really was not uh, a lot of weight. So I know what it's like to be uh, to just not get it, to be a, not mm-hmm. a natural at all. And um, it, wa- it was in 2006, for instance, that I discovered Muay Thai. A friend of mine and I watched this movie called Ong Bak, the Thai warrior, this mm-hmm. guy named Tony Ja. Uh, and we just loved it. We found out that in Omaha, there was a Muay Thai gym. And now that's not that uncommon. But back then, UFC was still, you know, it wasn't really well known. It was, mm-hmm. it was not the cultural phenomenon that it is now. And um, it just so happens there's a two-time kickboxing world champion who specializes in Muay Thai who lives in Omaha. And okay. so we went to his gym yeah. and started training there. And I sucked big time, but I, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun. I started mm-hmm. weightlifting in earnest. Um, and I'm using the weightlifting in the quotidian terms. I don't mean like Olympic weightlifting, but like lifting weights. Yeah. Uh, uh, as my friend Trevor was showing me, here are these bodybuilding kind of movements. And so I, I, I found that I, I didn't completely connect with it, but I liked it better than not doing it. And mm-hmm. then um, eventually I got into Krav Maga. And then finally, a friend of mine introduced me to the kettlebell. And this was in 2008. And um, I, f- I finally started to feel like I was making some progress. I hired a coach to help me to refine my technique. And slowly but surely, I really started to learn more and more. And then I got to the point where I got my certification. And um, when I first tried, you know, one of the things they focus on in the SFG search is how to teach other people. But you mm-hmm. find out too that uh, teaching in a kind of a sterile environment where you're teaching mostly your your friends and colleagues in the certification versus somebody who has maybe been sedentary their whole life or they've only done stuff like running 
or maybe some group fitness classes where there was no focus whatsoever on how to move properly, uh, the mind-muscle connection, how to use movement patterns to, mm-hmm. to orient your training. Um, there's a huge gulf between what people want to accomplish and the skills that they have in order to do it. And so my big motivation is trying to bridge that gap. I realize that uh, basically they, um, their goals are going to be far off from where they are no matter what. And so I can't bring their goals closer to them. What I can do is I can give them the tools and the understanding of how to build that bridge from mm-hmm. that, that distant point that they want to go to uh, and starting with where they are right now. And yep. so my, my goal more than anything is to demystify the process of getting strong. It is really very simple, but there are considerations that most people don't think much about. Um, A lot of people in particular, I think, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is that they get into, they're like, I want to get fit. So what supplements should I take? What workout should I do? Like what, you know, give me like a workout that's going to get me fit. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. well, first of all, they're starting with like the tip of the pyramid. And what you need to do is you need to get them to understand the base, which is the principles, the foundational stuff. And then you're like, okay, now what exact goal do you want? Do you want to do 10 pull-ups? Do you want to uh, add a bit of muscle? Do you want to, you know, get away from being achy and stiff all the time? You've got to figure that out. And then you can take that pyramid and you can point it in a particular direction. And that's going to tell you what you do with the tip here, which is the details, like the sets and the reps and the, uh, mm-hmm. the exact exercises you're going to do and you know, the warm-up routine. So a lot of people try to start with that, that tip first because they don't know any better. Yeah. Um, and so my big thing is trying to very simply and quickly show them, okay, here's how you build this foundation so that we can figure out which, which of these things that you can do that's going to help move you in this direction. Yeah. Um, and I've found that the number of people who have this disconnect, even people who've spent a good amount of time strength training and you know, doing exercise and that sort of a thing are, are missing those things. And that is what prevents them from getting to where they want to go further. Like they've already gone a portion of the way, but in order to keep building that bridge, they're going to need to go back in some cases, uh, build up uh, some more skills and then get back out on the bridge and, and keep building. So that's my huge motivation because I know what it's like to spend the first few decades of your life just not getting it and being like, yeah. I, I'm just not a natural. Maybe, maybe I'll never be maybe I'll never be able to do this stuff to being somebody that people actually look to, to be like, Hey, can, can you help me with these things? And I, I've been very privileged to uh, be able to teach people all over, all over the world. I mean, I have students in uh, Europe, throughout the United States, Australia, uh, and, and people who bought my, my info products in even more places, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I get great emails and comments on social media all the time uh, you know, people raving about like what they can now do, how much better they feel, how much stronger they are. And that really gives me the motivation to want to continue to refine my own processes and continue to expand my influence so that my, uh, uh, what I'm doing now can eventually grow to empire-like proportions. Well, and that's what's awesome. You know, I think we go through these seasons as new trainers where we're we're trying to be creative. We're, we're sometimes maybe even we're looking at exercise as the, the main thing. And now stepping back and as of now 20 years into it, it's no, you know what? Like we need to hit the low hanging fruit. It's like, is your, are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. Is your nutrition on point? Are you being consistent getting to the gym? It's, 
how about before you try any of this other stuff, let's make sure you're getting your eight hours of sleep. Let's make sure you're eating a little bit better. And let's make sure that you can make the gym a two to three time a week thing. And just even starting there, or even it's not even the gym. It's like the physical activity is that, can you make physical activity just going out for a walk, a regular part of your team routine three times a week for 30 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Now let's start thinking about progressing that. Then you can buy the equipment or get the gym membership. And it's just setting up the daily habits and routines of the low hanging fruit before getting carried away with the, the stuff we think is going to be the easiest, like the supplements and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, is that uh, helping people to get a better mindset is a huge help to all those things. So when they yeah. see sleep, uh, and proper nutrition as being essential and that exercise can't, uh, can't help you outrun or, or hack these things, but these are things that are essential to you being able to do the things you want to do to accomplish the things that you want. That's mm -hmm. huge. And I think even, even bigger too, is that the way that a lot of people set goals is they're like, oh, it's okay. I can't do a single pull-up right now. So, but I want to do like a set of 10. Well, you want to go from zero to 10. That's huge. How about yeah. what if you focus on zero to one? What would you have to do to go from zero to one um, rather than worrying about the sets and reps and this other stuff? Uh, and rather than worrying about like what you're going to do three months from now, how about like, what can you do every day that like, if somebody said, I'll give you a thousand dollars, if in three months you can do 10 pull-ups and you can currently yeah. do zero. Now I'm not saying that people should make it a three month goal to do that, but I'm going to give that as an example. What would your better, what do you think your better option would be? Some things that you could do daily that would make it more likely that you will get to that goal. And I'm not talking mm -hmm. crazy workouts. I'm saying something you can show up, punch the clock and reliably get uh, a good outcome from uh, versus um, how can I push myself to the point of, you know, possible uh, visit to Dr. Herding's office uh, yeah. in order to uh, move, move ahead a little bit. And so getting people to understand process goals versus destination goals, I mm -hmm. think is, uh, is paramount. And it really, that change in the mindset can be, super helpful for people. Yeah, it's it really, it's just consistency is the key and small manageable yeah. steps, not getting yeah. ahead of yourself, set, like making sure you'll stay committed to it and not making yep. the goals too, too daunting. Um, it's bringing people, I think I, I bring people back down to earth more than anything. Yes. And yeah. so that people know that I do the same thing I have on my cork board, you can't see it here, but I've got two pieces of paper, just hand-drawn calendars with just you know, uh, 10 spaces across, six down of uh, daily content that I put out to, uh, to, you know, bring people into my sphere. Uh, yeah. So stuff on, you know, Facebook posts, uh, YouTube videos, uh, you know, new articles, stuff like that. And then I also have another one for business reading that I want to do on a daily basis. And, and it's, it's all like you described, what we might call the low hanging fruit. But every day I go out and I collect this low hanging fruit. Yeah. And next yeah. thing you know, you know, I've got a lot to show for it. I've got a lot better understanding of, uh, you know, business and that sort of a thing from reading through the materials that I have. I've reached out to thousands more people than I ever would have been able to otherwise by putting out uh, new content every day. And it's not stuff that takes a long time. It's all very simple to do. But rather than making it this huge, scary, daunting task, it's something that's not scary at all. It's something I can do literally every single day of the week. Yep. And that's made all the difference, not just for me, but more specifically for the people that I'm trying to reach. You know, the people who, who want to uh, accomplish great things and need a little bit of a poke in the right direction.
Absolutely. And that's probably like, that's one of the most important lessons I learned as a business owner, but also on my fitness journey. And, um, you know, if anybody is taking anything out of today, that's one of the main things I would hope that they do is just be consistent, find what works for you, because consistency is going to be the key, even if it's for two minutes a day. Totally. I mean, think yeah. about it like yeah. this. You do two minutes a day, 60 days in a row, it's 120 minutes. And you're going to get 60 days older anyway. You might as well be stronger when you get there. You don't want to be in the same position or maybe even behind. So yeah, yeah. the people underestimate how much they can get done in even five minutes a day. That's my first thing I tell people. Like, if you can do commit yourself to some kind of movement, it doesn't have to be sweat inducing even, but five minutes a day, that's gonna lay down the routine that makes it very easy to succeed over the long run. Because now it's like as simple as brushing your teeth. You're not going to yep. be like, okay, I'm going to brush the, you know, what out of my teeth one day a week. I'm just going to crush it. You know, like nobody builds their dental health like that. Yeah. yeah. It's the exact reverse. You do it a little bit each day. And next thing you know, okay. You know, your teeth are pretty healthy. Your, uh, your mouth health is doing all right. Same thing goes with everything else. Absolutely. So what's next for you? What's, what's the next step for, for Alex? Well, that is an excellent question. Um, yeah. One of the things that I want to do in the coming year is I want to have more options to work with me doing guided programs. So right now I've got, again, two options is work directly with me through con uh, consulting or coaching. Um, and then I have a variety of info products. And so one of the things that I would like to do is kind of bridge that gap too, so that people can get the info product, but then also have better access to me so that mm -hmm. I can guide them through, you know, like people are going to run into speed bumps in their own life. Um, and so I want to have something that is going to allow people to get kind of like a hybrid where it's like, they've got the map. Um, they're not, uh, they're not working with me directly, but as a part of a group of other people who are all working toward the same goal and creating a stronger community for the people who, who already follow me. And, uh, and as I mentioned too, you know, I also want to expand my, my little country, let's say that I've created a little community into an empire that reaches all over the place. And uh, like I said, I've already got a few ambassadors, i.e. students in nice. uh, other countries around the, around the world. So uh, I would like to continue that and um, you know, strengthen, strengthening my business so that it's more efficient at reaching out to the people who uh, are looking for this kind of training, kettlebells, calisthenics, and movement. Uh, they like training at home. They like getting stronger so that they can keep up with their kids and grandkids and do cool stuff outside of that. So they're not like the decrepit parents who, you know, have to sit out when their kids are, you know, playing, uh, playing outside and, uh, and then set a good example for their kids and the people around them so that they can better lead. The only way to do that is if you are fit enough to do that. So that's my big thing is, uh, is in the coming year, I want to, and I'm going to make that a uh, much more efficient process on my end so that I can not convince people, but identify the people who want to do that, bring them into my sphere, uh, teach them the things they need so that they can disseminate it to the people who matter most to them. Love it. That's a great mission. Um, so in closing, I, I didn't tell you this. I'm so sorry, but it's going to make it even more fun. Cool. I do. Um, we do it. We do a quick rapid fire, five questions that you're not prepped for. Um, you're not sent ahead of time. Um, just to get a quick, a deeper understanding, um, your, you know, your subconscious answer to some questions so that people understand who you are a little bit more as a person. It's like a verbal ink blot test. Yep. You game? Let's do it. 
Let's do it. So what would be your walkout song to your, like you're walking into your first training session of the day or you're getting hyped to sign onto the computer for your first consultation of the day? What's your, what would be your walkout song? Well, that's a very good question. Man. You're um, walking out for a course. You're about to teach a course. You're walking out to. I would say the John Wick medley by La Castlevania. <laughs> if you go to YouTube and you put it in, somebody uh, took La Castlevania's songs for the John Wick soundtrack and then they turned it into like a 10 minute medley. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what it would be because it's just like John Wick goes out and he just dominates his yeah. opponents. And my job is to crush weakness, not my clients, to crush weakness. And, uh, and much the same way that John doesn't kill anybody who doesn't deserve it. I, uh, I only crush weakness and frailness and uh, leave the person not only intact, but actually stronger and better. So that's what I would say. Love it. What's your favorite exercise? Pull-ups. Okay. I was, I was looking for like kettlebell snatch or something. From you. Oh, okay. Well, and the kettlebell on the kettlebell side of things. Or in general. Uh, yeah. In general, I would definitely say pull-ups like overall. Um, mm-hmm. But on the kettlebell side of things, it's a good, yeah, I like cleaning jerks. Okay. Those are amazing. So I think my all-time favorite exercise is a kettlebell snatch. Yeah. I love I like snatch. I, I'll take this back. Uh, I don't love doing snatches. I love what they give to me. Uh, <laughs> that's maybe the better way to describe it. Yeah. Um, one food for the rest of your life, what would you eat? Steak. I like it. Absolutely. I never get sick of eating steak. How do you, how do you take it? How do you cook it? Just I'll cut off what I want and I'll ride the rest home. Love it. Yeah, to quote, um, uh, what's in it, Dennis Leary. Yeah. Um, along those lines, what's your guilty pleasure? Do you have a guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure? Um, there really shouldn't be a pleasure, but I would say scrolling uh, scrolling through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's something I do a little too much of, and it doesn't give me anything. So I, let me think of a better guilty pleasure. Uh, better guilty pleasure for me, and, is, and a true guilty pleasure, would be... Um, now, you know what? I'm going to stick with that <laughs> scrolling through. I think it's a good uh, one. Social media, because I got to be honest, like I do enjoy it. I, again, I, I, I do it a little too often, but, um, but that's the most honest answer. If I'm being, if I'm being realistic. Yeah. And then finally, um, what, when you're in the Philadelphia area, what was your favorite thing about the area? You know, um, I didn't actually have an answer to that until last year. I was there for a friend of a uh, friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, uh, it was, you know, a couple of friends who had since moved away, um, made it out to his to his wedding. And for the first time ever, I got a chance to visit Phoenixville. Uh, one of my uh, friends who was there to attend the wedding was meeting up with some of his friends. And he's like, hey, do you want to come with us to Phoenixville? And I yeah. lived in Downingtown for about a year and a half and um, only really ventured uh, toward, you know, the Exton, Westchester area and periodically, you know, into Philadelphia, but never went, never went to Phoenixville. And I fell in love with him. Um, great. Mm-hmm. I, it was just such, I was like, you know what, if I had to move back to uh, Pennsylvania, I would totally live in Phoenixville. Um, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. And then the other thing, and I know this is more than one thing, but uh, the driving is really pretty, especially out in that area. Like there's these winding, uh, you know, scenic roads, uh, a lot of great trees and foliage and kind of little out of the way burrows and towns that, um, you know, they exist in Nebraska, but I don't think they have the exact same charm because um, they are a lot of times are far more spread out. And with uh, Pennsylvania and especially the Philly suburbs area at the very least, it's like they're much closer together. 
And so it's like, you can just sort of uh, uh, like seamlessly weave from, you know, one borough or one town to the next. And um, I, I always liked that. I never really had a lot of a reason to go toward, let's say Wayne or Villanova, mm-hmm. but, um, but I always liked the drive. And, uh, and I think, and likewise, drive to Phoenixville was very much the same. And then Phoenixville was like this, this little gem that I never expected. I love it. Phoenixville is great. Yeah. Well, Alex, I appreciate you hopping on. What is the best way if people are listening, they want to get in contact with you, join some of your training programs, what's the best way for people to contact you um, and reach out? Uh, the best way definitely would be uh, with my nine minute challenge, because that will, if you get that, you'll also then it'll be easier to contact me in a, in a variety of other ways. You know, I'm on all the major social media platforms. Uh, or most of them, anyway. Um, I don't have TikTok yet. I, I'm trying to hold out as long as I can because I see that as like it's like I'm addicted to crack with Facebook and heroin mm-hmm. with Instagram. So why should I add, you know, I don't know, meth or whatever with whatever's with next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, if you get my nine minute challenge, it will then put you into channels that where it's a lot easier to reach out to me specifically if you want to. Uh, and I, like I said earlier, you know, the, my nine minute challenge, um, has been very popular. A lot of people have really enjoyed it, uh, for helping to act kind of as an accelerant to their current training program. Some people use it as a standalone. Most people are using it as, as, uh, a supplement to help to uh, speed up their regular training. And if you go to nine minute challenge.com, it's the number nine minute challenge.com. Uh, you can just get it. It's free, uh, super easy to, to get, uh, get a hold of and get started with. It's oriented around gait pattern movements that are focused on strength. So stuff like uh, kettlebell loaded carries, crawling, things like mm-hmm. that. Stuff that uh, has a very, very short learning curve, but a really high yield and also low uh, impact on your nervous system fatigue. So it, it's easy to do it on a daily basis without burning out. Uh, that would be the best way for sure. And it, it'll kind of get you into my sphere, as I mentioned, and get you a better idea of uh, what it is that I do how I do it. And uh, that way it'll also be the gate to open up to a, a wide variety of other things. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you hopping on Alex. Do you have any other closing thoughts before we close this out for good? Yes, I would say, well, for good, that sounds ominous. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say uh, no matter what, you know, you're going to get, you're going to reach frustrations. You're going to, um, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have plateaus. You're going to have things along the way that are going to be uh, that are going to make you want to quit. And I would definitely suggest that you realize, number one, that you, you don't yet know everything and that there are sources out there that can help you. So do not give up. Keep training. And then the other thing would be uh, to prioritize quality movement in your training, not at the expense of training hard. It should be, they should go together like that MasterCard symbol, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like one circle and overlapping the other. Um, but especially as you get older, uh, you start to realize that just, you know, sets and reps with strength training alone, it will take you a, a good portion of the way that you need to go, but it, it has a tendency to make you brittle if you're not also following it up with some good quality uh, movement training. It's like if all you ever did was eat steak and potatoes and you had no fruits or vegetables, uh, you would be sort of impoverished. And if all you had is fruits and vegetables and no steak and potatoes, you know, you'd be weak. So uh, you need both of them. Don't try to make it an either or proposition learn how to combine those two. And I think you'll probably find you have fewer frustrations uh, and less wailing and gnashing of teeth in your training. Great advice. Everybody that's listening, you should take them up on that. But 
All right, Alex, appreciate you. Um, thank you for taking the time out. It's been, a, um, I, this has been, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. So thank you. Likewise. Thank you yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes and they go such a long way. We really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media, talk about it with your friends, send it in a text message, whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness Philadelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia and have a great day.